justice in the early church. It's an absolutely critical moment because at this point, the question is asked, is the church going to grow or is it going to stagnate, even go backwards? And our reading contains five simple practical lessons which we're going to learn about church growth. They all sort of begin with P, which I hope helps. Here's the first. We grow through the powerful word of God. We grow through the powerful word of God. So if you've been reading through uh, the book of Acts, you'll know that God has recently brought the church through persecution. That's chapter 4. He's brought them through eternal corruption, for chapter 5. And so by the time we get to chapter 6, we think, oh, the church is ready to fly and really take off. And it certainly looks that way. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So the apostles are busy sharing the good news about Jesus. They're preaching the gospel. People are being saved, coming to faith. And a church which began with just a couple of dozen is now several thousand strong. You see, at one level, church growth is wonderfully simple. Jesus once said, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Accompanied by the Holy Spirit, God's word draws people to Jesus. It gives them new hearts. The word of God has a power all of its own. Now, we could uh, gather here in church. We could do church Monday to Sunday and follow all sorts of business handbooks, all sorts of models of growth, and think if only we do that, then our church will have the secret of growth and will really take off. But you see, if God's word is the ultimate fuel for growth, then we must beware thinking we can rely upon our own growth strategies. In, in other words, instead, God's word needs to remain central to absolutely everything we do. It's simple in our sermons, in our kids and youth work, in our evangelism, in our pastoral care, in our music. If it's something that is obviously word of God related, and if it's something that's not so obviously Word of God related, in our decision-making and, and thinking ahead, when what we think and do sits comfortably with us or with our culture, and when it doesn't. Ultimately, church growth is not down to our clever strategies, and we need to remember that this morning, even as we do think about strategies. But it is down to God and his powerful word. It's simple, but it's not simplistic which is what the early church is about to discover. So second, we grow in the midst of growing pains. We grow in the midst of growing pains. Verse 1 again. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Luke's language is meant to strike an ominous note. Because if we know our history, we'll know that no sooner has God rescued his people from Egypt and taken them through the Red Sea, that they find themselves in the wilderness and they start complaining about food. History is repeating itself. Will this grumbling and whining fester or will it be healed? Will God's people come through this crisis of growth or is their existence under threat? Uh, There's a book that the staff team, ministry team, and I are reading. Uh, There's some copies at the back called Ready, Steady, Grow by a pastor called Ray Evans. And uh, in that book, he talks about how in a group of three people, there are six possible lines of communication. Me to you, you to me, me to them, etc. In a church of 50, there are 2,450 lines of of communication. And in a church or any institution of 200, there are 39,800. In other words... 
a, an organization, a church, four times bigger at those sort of numbers is 16 times more complex. And the bigger you get, the more complex it becomes. It just grows exponentially. Growth leads to complexity, and complexity leads to growing pains, which is what is going on in the church in Jerusalem. But complexity and pain are not a maths equation. They are felt by and must be dealt with by real people. Something has got to change in this church if these growing pains are not going to overwhelm them. Well, all of that is not particularly spiritual wisdom. It's um, what we saw in that earlier graph. But what does it mean in practice for the church? Well, partly it means that we shouldn't be surprised when growth is painful. We shouldn't pray to grow and expect it to be painless. As Rob was saying earlier, during the past year, we've gone through a pandemic along with everyone else. And we've moved venue as a church. We've lost some friends. We've made new friends. We've begun to do church differently. And all of us, most of us, will have experienced growing pains through some of that. Some of us might have felt, like some of these people in Jerusalem, that our needs have been overlooked. And if your needs have been overlooked, we're sorry. But at the same time, we remember that growing means growing pains. It's normal. Growth and pain may happen at exactly the same time, or one may follow swiftly on the heels of the other. Either way, we grow in the midst of growing pains. But what do we need to what needs to happen in the middle of those pains? Thirdly, we grow by focusing on gospel priorities. We grow by focusing on gospel priorities, verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And let's not misunderstand the apostles here. They're not saying that one thing, preaching the word of God, is really important. And looking after people is not really important at all. And it's beneath them. They're saying the gospel has to be proclaimed and God's people have to be cared for. Those two things are their combined gospel priority. And in church life, we face the same sort of dilemmas today. There are all sorts of things we could do and should do. Sharing our faith and thinking about how to do that with our community or our friends. Welcoming new people. Training new leaders. Leading music ministry. Doing AV pastoral care, serving refreshments, kids and youth work, supporting mission partners, all sorts of different things. You could add many other things to that list, I'm sure. But the apostles' example is really helpful because they know it's not word or deed. They know it's word and deed together. They respond to growing pains by focusing on gospel priorities. And um, in your service sheet, where's mine gone? Um, but you should find the little bookmark. Can I just grab the little, where's the bookmark in that? Um, which, whilst I'm finding one, why don't you see if you can find one as well? Um, brilliant. You should see a little bookmark like that, which is something, there's lots of takeaways for you today. But um, just grab your bookmark. I'm going to talk you through it at the moment. Um, you'll see at the top that it says, Our Vision to grow as an all-age community church, bearing fruit for Jesus and reaching the wider Wandsworth area. That is the vision. That is the gospel priority. Anything that helps us to fulfill that vision, we ought to be thinking, we could give that a go. If something seems like a good idea, but actually wouldn't really help us fulfill that vision, so actually, we need to give that thing a miss. 
even if saying no to that is a painful thing. So gospel priority, that's the vision at the top. But the problem with that vision is its breadth. It is too general for everyday normal church life. If, if that is all we thought about, if that is all we had, people and ministries would get overlooked. It can't help us grow by itself. We need something else. Fourth, we grow through plans that empower people for ministry. Verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Notice what the apostles don't do. They don't call a prayer meeting. They don't organize a preaching series. They come up with a plan and they involve the whole church in it. They say, brothers and sisters, you choose. What a wonderful expression. These wise leaders deliberately give their power away. It's not delegation. I'm too important for that. It's not dictatorship. You go and do it. It's empowerment. Empowerment in the midst of a crisis. And that is the sort of thing the ministry team, the elders and I are trying to do with the bottom half, bottom two-thirds of the bookmark. So the strategy, let me read that. It says, we believe that God calls all his people to be saints, and so we prayerfully pursue six team ministries. That's a bit corny, a bit cheesy perhaps, but it's meant to be because it's meant to be memorable and helpful. And if you've been part of the church for a while, you'll know some of this already. I've spoken through some of it before, but I just want to do so again. You'll know that this is a bit different to how we organize things in the past when we kind of organize things through, through home groups, and it will feel different to that as well. It might feel a bit painful. But the idea is to simply empower people to do ministry. But what are those, those six ministries underneath? Well, earlier this year, um, the ministry team and I spent quite a lot of time on Zoom thinking about those, writing what we call mission action plans and uh, for six different areas of church life. We're still working on those. We still meet every fortnight just to focus on one of them for an hour. And as part of each plan, part of each mission action plan, there's just one sentence that tries to capture what it's about. Uh, you can see those on one of the posters at the back. Let me just talk you through them. And we're going to begin with A, which is ascribe glory to Christ. That comes from a, a psalm, basically. And it's about, the sentence is, we worship Christ with joyful expectancy. Now, it's music, but it's not just music. It's about our Sunday services being places where we uh, edify Christians, build up Christians, where we evangelize non-Christians, helping people to understand the gospel, and where we experience God's presence together. Uh, that area, ministry area is led by by Nush. Then going down to T is tell our community, which is led by Rich. And the sentence is, we long to see people saved to the glory of God. That ministry is all about contacting people, whether we know them or not, helping people to come to church, um, and then praying all the time that they'd be converted, that they'd come to Christ. And then um, up to the top, uh, serve is about welcoming, befriending people, it's about seeing people engaged in church life. The sentence is, we want people to belong and to call all saints home. And uh, Linda looks after that. The next two are instruct and enable, which I look after. Instruct, we teach people to help them bear fruit for Jesus. That means teaching people to trust and obey Jesus, to speak of Jesus and for Jesus. 
and enable, we train each other to start and to keep serving Jesus. So that is about recruiting people to different ministries and then training people to use their gifts and training one another and then just helping us to keep going with it. And then support uh, the cause at the bottom. That is, uh, we partner with others to reach the lost. And um, that's the one we've worked least on at the moment. It's currently led by Claire. It involves doing what we can inside and outside of London to support the cause of Christ. That's kind of an outside of church thing. The first five are inside church, and the, the last one is outside. So that's the plan. That's the strategy. Six team ministries which empower people for ministry. Now, you might look at that and think, well, that's snazzy. You've obviously spent quite a lot of time on it, but what's the point? Uh, why is that needed now? Couldn't we do things more simply? Couldn't we do things like we did before? And the answer to that, to some extent, is yes, we could do things more simply. We could have a system that was like top-down, rotor-driven, your turn to do this, your turn to do that. But the idea of that structure is to, it's like laying the foundations for a big building project. It helps us to focus, it helps us to specialize, and it helps us to be passionate about the things that we're particularly doing, so we can say, I really want to be involved in that. Let me give you two examples. So, um, the, the door-knocking ministry, or the Ask Us a Question project, there's a little flyer on your pew. Those things wouldn't be happening if Rich wasn't in charge of the tell ministry and think, giving his time to thinking, that is where I'm particularly involved. Or think about the welcome cards and, and trying to in, um, connect people into church life. That wouldn't, we wouldn't be getting 17 welcome cards over the last three months and one regularly filled in each week if Linda wasn't looking after that ministry and if we weren't um, capturing people's data on the church suite database and things like that. So it helps us to specialize and to be passionate and to, to be really focused on things. But another question you might ask is, well, how do I fit in? Where can I fit into that? I think the answer at the moment is anywhere. You could fit in anywhere. And that's one of the reasons we're going to do a little uh, serving survey a bit later on. You might be involved in lots of different areas of church life at the moment. But over time, begin to think, actually, that is the one I really want to be involved in. Or I want to be involved in two or a couple. So, um, again, in your service sheets, we're going to do this in a moment. We're going to have a short coffee break, and we're going to do a little serving survey. Uh, because we'd love to know where people are serving, where you'd like to serve, and maybe some areas that you're serving in that you'd rather not be serving in. So that we can, and we've organized that serving survey according to those six different areas. And as you go through it, you might think, um, hey, why isn't this on that list? So please jot that down, and we're going to come back to it during the week and uh, talk about it together as a team. Because we want to grow. We grow through plans that empower people for ministry. That's the longest lesson. The last one is the shortest. Finally, we grow when we pray for and with each other. We grow when we pray for and with each other. Verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Seven faithful, wise, spirit-filled men. But they couldn't do it by themselves in their own strength, and the apostles knew that, and that is why they prayed for them. We don't know exactly what they prayed for, 
But look what happens next. Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All those things came together. The growing pains, the focus on gospel ministries, the plan to empower people for ministry, all undergirded by prayer. And so the word of God spread. The church grew. Which is why, if you just look back at the little bookmark, it says, we believe that God calls all his people to be saints, and so we prayerfully pursue 16 ministries. Everything needs to be underpinned by prayer. So we'd love you to take that home, pop it in your Bible, use it to pray for church life. In the service sheet, each week, there's a bunch of prayer points, often organized around these six areas. Use those to pray for church life. And do your best, if you can, to come to the church prayer meeting once a month. So often at the moment, around 12, 15 people, and we meet up in the chancel behind me. Wouldn't it be brilliant if that was 25, 30 people regularly? It was such an encouraging time this week. We don't want you to miss out on that. See, God wants his church to grow. He longs for it to flourish. And he helps us understand how that can happen, how we can grow. First and foremost, through the powerful word of God. Does that mean it's easy? Of course not. We grow second in the midst of growing pains. What should we do when growth is hard? We focus on gospel priorities, which especially means plans that empower people for ministry. And when all that happens, let's never forget that prayer underpins it all. We grow when we pray for and with each other. Um, I'm going to invite Linda, who's going to come up to the front and um, pray for us in response to this. And then after that, it'll be time for the little um, serving survey. That's over to Linda. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you for the privilege that it is to be part of your people and part of the body of Christ. Lord, we praise you that in this church, none of us are here by mistake. You tell us that you've placed the parts of the body exactly where you want them to be, and you are clear that each part needs the other, and that the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Father, we're sorry for how easily we forget these things, and pray that you would help us to remember the privilege of being part of your people and our need for each other as we serve together. Father, we pray that as we consider serving in different teams in church, that you would help us to trust that we are each needed and that you've given each of us different, different and specific gifts to serve you and each other. Thank you for your kindness in answering prayers for the different teams already. Thank you that through the tell ministries of door knocking, small saints and cameo, we've already been able to connect with new people in the area. We pray that you would continue to grow the tell team with those who have a heart to make you known. And we pray that Rich would have the strength and wisdom he needs to lead it. Thank you for those who are part of the serve team and who give particular care to welcoming newcomers. Lord, we pray that you'd grow us more and more into a church where newcomers are not only welcomed, but befriended and brought into the life of the church. Please, would the serve team be equipped to be able to facilitate this well. 
Lord, we also thank you for Andy leading the train and enable ministries. Thank you for all those who you've gifted in the congregation with teaching your word, both to children and adults. Lord, we pray that through the instruct and enable um, ministries, we would be established in our faith and be more equipped to serve you, either in new areas or in the teams we're already part of. Please continue to give Andy wisdom as he considers how best to develop these areas of church life. Father, we also thank you for our scribe team led by Nush and their hard work in serving us each Sunday. Thank you for the gifts you've given them in music, tech, sound, and aesthetics. We pray that through their ministry, we would delight more and more in our worship of you here on a Sunday. And we pray that your goodness and glory would be commended to those looking in. Father, we lastly thank you for Claire leading the support team. We pray that the team would continue to discern um, how best to support those we partner with in mission. And we pray that we would delight to see how you are growing your church throughout the world um, as we partner with them. And in all this, we pray that as we serve, we would do it with the strength that you provide so that in all things you may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.